This is an OSV Podcasts production. To learn more about OSV Podcasts Network, visit osvpodcasts.com. FRG Ministry presents the Catholic Influences Podcast. Join me, Alyssa Aegis, and my co-hosts, Father Rob Gallia and Justine Hughes, as we break open the upcoming Sunday Mass readings and explore relevant topics and life issues from a Catholic perspective. For a shorter and more reflective explanation of the Sunday Gospels, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Catholic Influences, Father Rob Gallia Homilies. How are we doing? Good. <laughs> Welcome to this um, podcast. We're in a new new space, and so I feel a little bit lost, a little bit confused. It's a bit weird, I must admit. Like, we're in... it's. Just a very different space. <laughs> but we're in the upper room. We're in the upper room. Downstairs <laughs> is chaos, but up here it's peace and quiet and the promised land. So. For those of you who don't watch the podcast, you have probably have no idea what we're talking about. But <laughs> the set is different. Everything's different. We're actually in the new FRG ministry um, warehouse uh, office space. We've been, um, in a sense, kicked out of our old one. And now we're moved to a new one, a more a specialized space. And eventually, eventually we're going to have our own podcast set which is going to be just for us how awesome is that it's very exciting it's all coming together very quickly um we have to post some photos on social media maybe we'll remember to do that after this and but we're in the administration block this is where all the administration is going to be my (laughs) favorite my favorite task of all things admin (laughs) wake up in the morning Ooh, i get to do admin today (laughs) and if anybody knows me even remotely you'll know that i'm lying to your ears right now i I love it like i get excited when i see a full inbox like Oh like of, of things to just get through. Like I get disappointed if, some, if there's well, nothing Well, my there. inbox is full. I just think, don't they know that I'm so busy? Why do they keep sending me emails? Select all, delete. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, uh, sometimes I do appreciate admin, especially after a long tour traveling. Like tomorrow is going to be my admin day where I just sit down and go through my emails. I study for our Shalom World TV it's program, which you'll be hear. very happy about. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's my study admin day. But in between, I also go to my osteopath. Like I'm, I'm going for a, a deep tissue massage. How cool is that? I mean, it would be cooler if I was getting it. <laughs> but hey, we'd well, love to know where's your study spot? Where do you work from? Or where's the most obscure place that you've ever done work mm. from? Cafe is my Well, aeroplanes is where I do most of my admin. And so thank God for the new era of Wi-Fi is on planes. Because, man, that's changed my life. That has changed my productivity. This microphone is slowly falling down. (laughs) He's just worshipping the Have you ever had to sing and the microphone's falling? (laughs) That's happened to me many times and you just sink in. (laughs) Keep in mind that your hands are on the piano, my hands are on the guitar, so you can't just move the microphone. (laughs) Yeah. So you're going down (laughs) with the guitar. (laughs) We're going down with the ship, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So I I tell you what, let's, let's hear from our sponsors. This Catholic Influencers podcast is sponsored by Modern Grace. Modern Grace is a unique online Catholic gift store with a beautiful faith-inspired collection of gifts and homewares to bring into your life and to share with your family, friends and faith-filled community. Stocking everything from liturgical planners, rosaries, inspiring reads, sacramental gifts, Catholic homewares, a children's collection of toys, wraps and teethers, and FRG ministry merchandise and more. 
Modern Grace introduces Catholic gifts which add value to your faith life for any occasion. Discounts available for stocking church piety stores, conferences and events. Just contact us online for more information. So check out their range at moderngrace.com.au and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. So we'll pray together. We'll ask the Lord to give us the strength, the focus, to be able to focus on His Word. You see, the Lord is speaking to us, but we're only able to receive what we're ready to receive from Him. So we'll pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, for always drawing us to your Son, Jesus. We ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit, that we may be quickened and lightened, that we may understand what you're saying, and Lord, that you give us a deep love and appreciation for your Word. Come, look after our hearts, our struggles, our worries. Teach us to turn to you, teach us to trust in you, and teach us most of all to be excited about your kingdom about what you have given us. Prepare our hearts for this Sunday Mass so that we can be prepared and ready to receive everything you want to give us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This Sunday's Gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another, two. To another, one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had re received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let the 
Semantics. This is something that we have to consider, especially in today's um, gospel. This is actually um, him being quite clear. This is one of those obvious talents, one of those obvious um, uh, scripture verses. But the word talent, the word talent is so confusing mm-hmm. when it comes to, to the scripture verse. Because talent is not about gifts. It's nothing to do with gifts. It's not even money. What is a talent? I think it could be interpreted in a couple of ways because we were discussing this and we all came to different conclusions. But what I had was that we're not able to um, calculate it in a currency as we know it today. It's a measurement of weight and its Mm -hmm. value is dependent on what the weight was comprised of. It could be gold, silver or copper. So a talent could be like a small piece of copper, but it also could be a large piece of gold. And the Mm -hmm. value of that is different. I think what makes this open to interpretation is that we see Jesus speaking in metaphors Mm. all the time. And so was he talking about the weight of gold or silver? Maybe. But he also could have been using that as a metaphor of, you know, um, the value of what he's given us. Mm -hmm. Um, Most commonly, homilies I've heard talk about it as what the Lord has given you in terms of your gifting and, Mm. you know, what you're called to share and that it's not your gift to bury, that it's your gift to share with the world. And so that's most commonly what I've heard it, how I've heard it explained. It would be a perfectly good interpretation, but I don't believe that this is what Jesus intended when he was saying. Mm. He was, yes, you can interpret it as a talent, but I think one of the things we have to always consider is one, the semantics, like the the words that are being used in the time. So, first of all, he's talking about a currency. He's talking about um, a talent which is probably a weight in his mind that, that we know through scholars that the currency that was most used at the time of Jesus when he was talking about talents is silver. So he probably probably was talking about a talent of silver, which was a weight of silver, which is, had a value of, I don't know. And, uh, You're looking at me for an answer. It would have been a, a, um, a, a significant amount of money. I think it's 260 uh, or, or 300. Uh, 6,000 denarii, I think it was. So that a talent is equal to about 6,000 denarii. So that's a day's wage? Um, or a month's wage? Since one denarius is w- one denarius was um, a common labourer's daily wage. Daily wage. So um, a talent would be roughly equivalent to about 20 years wages for the average a worker. Lot. So a crazy, crazy amount of money. That's a so, lot. Um, let's say that's half a million dollars or whatever. Um, and so that's the amount, the value of what he was talking about. The second thing you have to consider, one is the semantics. The second thing you have to consider is the audience. Who was he talking to? He wasn't sitting in a church motivating his mm. disciples and telling them, hey, use your talents, use your gifts like a pastor, like a priest would do in a parish. No, he was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was talking to people who he knew weren't doing right with what they were given. Now, what were they given? We'll talk about this, but <laughs> without us getting confused. But let's put it in the context, yes, of the talents. But one, always keep in mind, who was Jesus talking to and what was he, um, what's the imagery he was using and how did he see it? Um, because the way he sees it is very different to how we often see things. But I think even though it could be talking about two different things, I think we can still take the same messages from that and apply it, you could apply it to the talents or you can apply it to something else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, of course. And and that's what we, we need to do. And so where the homilies you hear of, of priests talking about using your talents are perfectly valid. They're perfectly true and they're perfectly in line with the scriptures. But I also want to know, like, what was on Jesus' heart, what mm-hmm. was on his mind. And sometimes we miss out 
because we go for the easy answer. We go for the easy interpretation. Yeah. But this was quite like it was an it's an obvious parable, but it was it's quite complex if you put it into the historical critical perspective of who he was talking to. Mm. But before we go into my complicated world, let's talk <laughs> Pack about your bags, your ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. We're about to go on a round-the-world trip of explanation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that I'm, I'm, this could be oversimplifying it, but maybe the moral of this, this story is the moral of the parable is God gives us stuff that is valuable. It's not intended to be buried. It, it's not yeah. intended. And there are multiple reasons why burying it is not, you know, purposeful. But um, what God gives us, whether it be law, whether it be money, whether it be gift, whether it be ta- talent, what God gives us is never meant to exist beneath the dirt. And no gift is too small either. I think mm. a lot of time we can look at others and think, oh, my gosh, they've got this, they've got this. But the more time you spend comparing what you might think your small gifts are to other people's gifts, that's time that you're wasting in using the gifts that you've been given. Um, and like we said, the talent, it it was that measurement of weight, but even one talent had a significant amount of worth. Mm. And so we, what we can learn from this is that no gift is too small. Yeah. Uh, yes. And we need to make the most out of this the, these gifts that God has given us. Are we ready for what I have in mind or do you want to explain yours a little bit more? <laughs> I guess I, I, I feel like I have fun facts. I'm ready, I'm ready. I have fun facts to share before yes. we go down the um, the black hole yes. of Father Rob's brain. Nah, nah, nah. You have... You have um, insightful, smart things to say. (laughs) If my face looks blank when Father Rob is staring, it's probably because what he's saying is... uh, Brace yourselves. That's just just getting that point slowly. I guess the the two things I just want to say is one interpretation that I'd skimmed across that I'd never heard before was that um, the number one, so the, um, the amounts, the meaning behind the numbers, like more doesn't equal more significance. That was the point. And the number one, in fact has incredible significance because it's a number that essentially is the origin of every other number um, and it's a number of, of unity. Um, but it's also, yeah, the original number into which all the other numbers um, are brought back into. And one uh, has significance, I suppose, when we um, we know about our when we understand who our God is, that it's we are, we believe in a, a triune God, three um, persons, one God, and so some might say that this um, laborer um, was actually given the one thing that mattered most. Mm-hmm. This the one thing that mattered most was um, eternity, was salvation, mm-hmm. and um, the one thing he was given, the one gift, the one talent he was given, um, he buried it, and so therefore he lost everything. He was given one thing and he buried it, so he had nothing after that. And that is the great sadness, that when we are given eternity, it's not intended to be buried, it's intended to share, it is multiplied when when we share it. And so that was the first thing, fun fact, to, to add that I came across that I hadn't heard before, but also just quickly, that really the focus of this scripture is not success. We're not looking at this scripture, you know, trying to derive entrepreneurial tips from yes, you know yes. the the person with the five and the person with the two that's it, not it's not a recipe for how to build a big successful business it's not what we're looking to it for um it's not preaching a prosperity gospel it's highlighting the the importance of being faithful mm-hmm. that's what it's highlighting um and so it's our job to be faithful with whatever god puts in our hand and as you were saying earlier it's not 
it's not our job to look at what's in our hand and then look to our right and look what's in, you know, Alyssa's hand and for me to look to my left and see what's in Father Rob's hand and start drawing comparisons. No, I will never be able to live out, give out, share what is in Father Rob's hands. I've only got what God has given me. And so success in the biblical sense is is faithfulness. Have I been faithful to using, giving, doing what the Lord has put before me, what the Lord has put um, in my hand. So, and what he puts in your hand often makes you uncomfortable. This is the thing. Yeah. See, we as Christians can so easily become comfortable mm. in what God has given us and that we don't stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. We do it in a business world, but what about in the kingdom of God that we don't stretch things to the point where we don't become ambitious? Or now, risk takers. Yes, risk takers, mm. going out and building, becoming, um, uh, advancing the gifts that we have given us. Well, I think, I think, honestly, the church is the place where we can become the most comfortable. From mm. the sitting in the same pews that we sit all the time, to using our talents, singing the same songs if we have a gift of music within our parishes, to somehow doing the same things we always did, the same theologies, the same understanding. And God wants us to become uncomfortable. When was the last time you sat down and did a theology course, a free one on YouTube? Mm-hmm. When was the last time you you um, studied the scriptures a little bit more? When was the last time you thought about looking into helping the poor in a different way? When was the last time um, you worshipped God in a different way? When was the last time you hung out with people who were not Catholic, yes. who were not mm-hmm. Christian? Get uncomfortable by... And it's not that they make us uncomfortable, mm. but it only makes us uncomfortable because it's not easy for us to be in the company of people who have real questions that might challenge us to push outside of the boundaries that we are so familiar with. Mm. And so I think in discomfort, there is growth. That's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's just from the smallest things like doing exercise, it is in that discomfort that you build the muscle, that you build the stamina. It is in the discomfort of a, of, of a pregnancy that you, you push through and you give, you give birth. It is in the discomfort of a, a, a tough relationship that you become holy in a relationship. That's mm. the way discomfort is always um, a, a prerequisite for growth. There mm. is no growth without discomfort. Absolutely. And I was going to say that God wants us to grow. And I think we can learn a lot from this third guy who had the one talent. It wasn't the fact that he tried and failed that got him the label of this wicked and lazy servant, it was the fact that he didn't try at all. Mm. And it's the same with us. Um, I, I often think like of a parent at a, a parent-teacher interview. You know, this wasn't me because I was an A-plus student. Um, <laughs> of we all yeah. know that. <laughs> but like I remember, I'm sure there'd be students out there who perhaps didn't put in the effort. <laughs> I don't want this to sound so arrogant. Um, but People who weren't as good as I <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> but you um, thought it. But I think of a parent who goes to a parent-teacher interview with their child and perhaps the teacher says they could be getting A-pluses, but Mm. they're only getting Cs because they're not putting in the effort. Now, I think a parent wouldn't be upset if you had perhaps did your hardest and you Mm. tried so hard and you got that C or that D, even that F if you tried. It's the fact that you didn't try where the disappointment lies. And I think God gives us these gifts. And again, we're going to be scared. We're going to be out of our comfort zone, but we are called to take those risks and – yeah, at least try. But don't yeah. you think also we're in a generation, like even uh, I, I feel like an old man. When I was younger, we <laughs> used to do this. But now this generation, uh, seriously, 
It's just a get-rich-quick culture with the least amount of effort. Mm-hmm. It's the side hustle culture. It's the, cu- the culture that says, hey, I'm not going to put in all the hard work because I want riches to come to me. I want it to become easy. And and it becomes um, sort of really difficult for employers to, to trust people because they always, the minute the hard work um, takes, um, enters into or disturbs my lifestyle, makes my lifestyle uncomfortable, then I look for a new job, then I, I'm, this is not for me, this is not where I need to be. When, if we don't learn to hustle, we don't learn to to put in the hard work, even in simply an employment in a work, then mm. how are we going to expect when the kingdom of God is harder and it's going to become harder you know, I was just in India talking to 850 nuns, which I know hundreds of those nuns I was speaking to will eventually be martyrs. They're eventually going to come to a point where, especially with the, this, um, with the martyrdom that's happening in Manipur and all the places in India, I knew I was standing in front of people that needed to know what discomfort was. And, and because they're going to come to a point where they're going to have to choose. I'm going to choose the comfortable way, and that is sometimes my life, or choose the uncomfortable way, the way of Jesus. And that can mean martyrdom. Mm. And it's happening in the world around us as well, mm. all around us. So we need to be a generation that builds saints. And part of saints is people who are uncomfortable enough eventually to the epitome of it is to say yes to Jesus, even if it means to lay down my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's not even just because when you say this generation, I think my mind defaults to thinking about, you know, Gen Zers, mm. you know, those who are under 18. But when we talk about generation, I'm a millennial. Mm. I see that mentality bleeding over into my life yeah. where yes. this sounds so stupid, but I planted tomato trees three weeks ago and I'm annoyed that the tomatoes aren't growing. I planted it's this- <laughs> gr- grass from my garden a week ago and I'm upset and I went to buy seeds totally. again this week. They oh grown my yet. gosh. And my husband is always lovingly telling me i just want to rush she's like stop <laughs> rushing like oh and it's so true it's like i yes. don't have the patience to wait and goodness me if i can't even wait for a tomato to grow in a tree lord have mercy on me yeah. for when actual sort of life and death heaven or you know otherwise situations are before me because Moral of the story is plant a tomato tree and go back to basics. <laughs> God give me patience and give it to me now. Yeah, it's not just young people. No, yeah, no, it's, it's we are the generation of every generation. Absolutely. Those who are alive now on this earth, you, we are the generation. And mm. so it's it's good to check. Good As point. opposed to, and then you have like the Saint Monica generation that prayed for thirty years oh my gosh. for their husband, for her yeah. husband. That's like wow, you know, that's that's a long growing tomato. That's tomato tree patience. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're ready. Oh, my goodness. Now I've lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> Buckle up, no, everybody. Again, into context. Who was Jesus talking to here? He was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he wasn't, as I said, he wasn't talking, giving them a pep talk about using their talents. He was talking about the law. He's saying, hey, you've been given the law. You've been given the law. You've been entrusted with the law. You are from Moses to the, to the prophets to now it's your responsibility. Your gift is the law, but they themselves, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, prided themselves in building a fence around the law that it could not be touched, it could not be changed. There were 631 laws or whatever there were, and each one had to be obeyed to the letter otherwise, and that was the way to salvation. And God is saying, hey, when it comes to this, when it comes to this law, what about humanity? 
What about the way we live? What about mercy? What about uh, not putting things back to where they went? Well, what about having fresh bread rather than stale bread? So what about taking the law? And this is what Jesus came into this world to do, to take that law. And he didn't come to get rid of it. He didn't. He took that talent. He took that law that was buried. He took that law that was invested onefold. He took that law and he, he invested it tenfold, a thousandfold by putting love into the equation. And so this is what he's saying. Hey, you have the law. You Pharisees, you Sadducees, you have the law. But what about putting love into it? Love, you can put it into the ground and make sure people obey it word for word and it doesn't grow. But what about you taking that and walking with people, walking with the prostitutes, walking with the, the, the hypocrites and teaching them to live it out in love? Ultimately, I think that this is what Jesus had in mind when he was talking about this. He was talking about the law and, and, and us sometimes wanting to go back to where we were, to the securities of where we were. And he's saying, hey, no, guys, become uncomfortable because love makes you uncomfortable. Mm. Love makes you vulnerable. And so it's really so much, even as a priest, it's so much easier for me to stand in the pulpit and to preach to the people but so much harder for me to walk with the people, with each person who needs to meet, who's struggling, who's walking. And I admire, my, like my, my work, most of my work is standing in front of people. Like I'm speaking in conferences, I'm at youth groups, but then I see my parish priest, like who, who, who I'm assistant to in the parish. And he just, he has so much time for people, so much love for people. And I'm thinking, God, I could never, like, he has so much love, and it is the love and the discomfort of love that allows him to do this day in and day out. Yes, I can do it, but I could never do it how he does it. Mm. I could never do it how he does it. And I, I have the greatest love and admiration for him for being able to do that. And I think, again, I would probably be the one who at best doubles it. He, on the other <laughs> hand, uh, my parish priest, would be the one who made it tenfold, a hundredfold. Because mm. he has love, he takes the law, and he listens, and he prays, and he walks, and he, he journeys with people. And this, I think, is the closest or the fairer interpretation of what Jesus had in mind when he was preaching it. Not too complicated, right? No, you did. I understood that yeah. really well. When okay. you when you shared with us off camera, I was really <laughs> like, oh no, what's he, what's he really going to... No, that was good. But this is it. Anyway, again, so this is the context of things. But it's not wrong to interpret it as the gifts and the talents. Yeah. But I think it comes down to what Jesus has taught you, what Jesus has given you, the things that God has given you. Are you becoming uncomfortable enough to to walk with people, to risk, to become uncomfortable, because that is where there's going to be growth in the kingdom of God, but also growth in what God has given you. Amen. This production would not be possible without the support of our FRG ministry partners and donors. Your ongoing support ensures that our online masses, online courses, podcasts, TV programs, school youth and parish outreaches continue to reach millions of people across the world. Please prayerfully consider giving a one-off donation or becoming an ongoing ministry partner. And join us in our mission to share the love of Jesus and His message of hope to the ends of the earth. Find out more at frgministry.com slash donate.
So this season we have been exploring your questions, the questions that you guys have been sending in to us. Um, and we love this segment because we get to spend a little bit more time um, breaking, um, breaking this question open. So this week, uh, with all that's going on in the world at the moment, we thought we would tackle the question, why does God allow wars and terrorism? Mm-hmm. Um, very yeah, it, it definitely feels very current and it's definitely even a question I've asked myself, even though I know that deep down perhaps I know the answer, is it still pulls at your heart enough to say like, God, like what is happening? <laughs> um, I think that this question though falls under the the umbrella question that we more commonly hear, which is, and I'd like to perhaps reframe it a little, why does God allow evil to exist? Terrorism, war, they are expressions of evil. Why? Why does our God allow this uh, to exist? So I would first start by saying, uh, suggesting that little bit of a, a reframe, but there's a bit of a buzzword that each of us immediately thought of when, when we heard this question. Free will. Mm-hmm. Free will. Yes, and that is a gift from God, one of the greatest gifts that we have been given by God, to mm. the f- free will. And God has given us free will when he created us for one purpose, and one purpose only is for us to freely choose him. Mm-hmm. So in order to be able to freely choose something, you have to have the capacity to freely reject something, right? To to say no to something. So if you want someone to love you, and you've chosen someone that you want to spend the rest of your life, if they're being coerced to do that, then they're not really freely choosing you. They're not really free. So God wants us to have the capacity to say, hey, Jesus, you're great and all, but not you're not for me. No, mm-hmm. not so much for me. And God wants us to have that freedom to do that. Yeah. And so that is the purpose, ultimately, of Free will. I'm not quite sure where I heard this, but I think if you don't have, it's a quote, if you don't have the ability to say no, then your yes means nothing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but with that, we have the ability to make choices and sometimes those choices can be good and sometimes those choices can be bad. Sometimes those choices can have um, significant moral implications. Sometimes they don't. And I think um, when it comes to war, again, this is, the choices of people driven by evil things such as selfishness, greed, um, and power, the need for power, yeah. you know. And so this is again where people come. Why, why do all wars begin? It always starts with the, the need for power, the need for land, or the the uh, it's somehow this wealth, you know, like oil or something like that. It is never, never, a, they, it, when it comes to be about justice and bringing about injustice, sometimes it is in defense, but very often um, when it comes to, to wars and, and major wars, it's usually those three things, the abuse of war. But also, and then there's um, where, where an injustice has happened, but when an injustice or in, uh, uh, going in defense it is because of an abuse of free will of another party. So there's always somewhere some abuse of the free will we have been given. Yeah, and I think simply, I don't have a lot to add, but, um, you know, some people will use this, you know, evil or terrorism as a perhaps proof that God doesn't exist. But really in light of what we've just kind of shared with each other, um, you know, evil in this world isn't disproof um, of God, but proof of our free choice, just as doing an act of good, because it doesn't harm us. Sometimes it doesn't impact us as harshly perhaps, but we have this free choice uh, to do good. And that does have an implication on this world. That does have consequences and it's a great thing. It's the life giving 
um, life-giving choice. But, you know, terrorism, evil in, in our world is proof that we, we do have um, free choice. And sometimes I just wonder what it's doing to God's heart because he has to allow it. If we are truly free and he truly is love itself, he's truly om- omnipotent, then he truly has to allow us to be free, even to the point of choosing horrors. And I just wonder, gosh, like what it's doing to God's heart yeah. as he looks onto his children who have freedom to come back to him. Yeah, just and what it I, does to I his think- heart. Yeah, and I think also, why doesn't God, let's say, if he sees a terrorist approaching, why doesn't he take mm. away the free will of the person? Why doesn't he stop that person? Well, God doesn't take away a gift he's given us because mm. we abuse of it. Never. Mm. He will never take away a gift from you, a spiritual gift or a, a, a gift like free will. He will never take it away just because you abuse of it. And so this is the responsibility that he's given us. He's put in our hands the power to build others or to destroy others. Mm -hmm. And we, with this infinite power, being in his image and after his likeness, we have to take that so responsibly. And as Justine, as you're saying, this war, the war, and there's never a war that God defends. There is never a Mm. war that, say, God is on one side. Where is God in a war? With his heart being broken as his children are being destroyed. Mm -hmm. As uh, This is such a myth, such a lie to think God wants us to have our territory. God wants us to grow and expand our land. No, God wants us to love him. No, God wants us to love and to give life. Every time, Jesus is the land we're longing for. Jesus is the promised land. Jesus is the giver of life. Not our territories, not our uh, our societies. At the end of the day, it's choosing Jesus, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, and it's interesting, not often one to quote from the Catechism, but Number 309 says, um, there is not a single aspect of the Christian message that is not in part an answer to the question of evil. You know, our Christianity truly lived out and it will always be ever so imperfect because we are human, but Christianity lived out as it was intended is the antidote Mm -hmm. to evil. It is the healing of all evil uh, if it's lived out. So I think the mystery of evil, and that's what it is, I don't understand it. And, and that's maybe where that question, I'm like, oh, what is happening? I don't understand it. Uh, it's a mystery. It's, it's daunting. Um, but we have the answer to it and we have the freedom to choose it, um, even though we can't control the world that is out there, the world that, you know, out there that is hurting. I have the freedom to choose it where I am and to create a world of peace where I am. Yeah, it's, it's big. It's a, it's a big, big question, hence why it's asked. And there's a, there's a, just, I just want to bring up a point, which is a, like a Calvinist attitude. The Calvinist attitude, attitude is one of predestination. So God said in the Bible that there's always going to be wars and rumors of wars. So therefore, God has made wars and God has made rumors of wars. No, it doesn't work like that. Okay, God has given us peace and he wants peace for our lives and for our hearts. And it is because of our selfishness um, and abuse of free will that um, this is destroyed. So, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, podcast. What's going on at the moment? We have an Advent retreat coming up. Please sign up for that, figministry.com forward slash events. The Advent retreat theme is these three gifts. So many guests. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you sign up for that. Social media, catch up with us, catholicinfluencerspodcast.com. All the platforms, TikTok, YouTube, 
Facebook, Instagram. Guys, I'm going on a holiday tomorrow and my mind is there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting through. <laughs> Make sure you catch up with us and we can't wait to see you next week. And also, just a quick note that um, if you're able to support this ministry and the work we do, the outreach we do, particularly we're working with a group in India, young girls who are stuck in sex slavery and we want to work to bring them out. We want to work to make a difference. Go to frgministry.com forward slash donate and click on mission where you see mission and you're able to donate to that cause. Thank you. God bless. And we'll see you again next week. Ciao. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com.